Welcome to the Smart Connector, the podcast that helps entrepreneurs be the leader their ideal people love. Build your influence, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast. My name is Jane Baylor, and I'd like to welcome my guest tonight, Martin Stockman of Stockman Ventures, which works with early stage entrepreneurs to help them find expansion capital. Martin consults and mentors young tech companies, helping them get investor ready, and he also assists them with the fundraising. He had a career as an investment banker, as a corporate venturer and a tech entrepreneur himself, before assisting these early stage technology businesses to grow. So welcome, Martin, it's great to have you here. Thank you very much, Jane. Before we dive in, Martin, uh, I'd like you to just expand a little bit on your current activities. So I've given you a, a broad introduction, but perhaps our listeners would like to know the sort of companies that you're working with right now and exactly what you're doing with them. Okay, well, in UK, there is an extraordinary environment, really, where we have possibly outside America the most exciting tech scene, digital tech scene, whereby absolutely tens of thousands of companies are starting up all the time to be part of the digital revolution. So everything that we take for granted around us, we take an Uber, we take a Airbnb, all these sort of things, came out of this digital revolution and we take them all for granted on a daily basis. Of course, this, yeah. in my opinion, this era, uh, the last 10 years won't be known for, you know, President Trump or anything like that. It'll be known for the digital revolution in a years time. And we're living through it. And we don't understand these incredible changes that happen every day. Yeah. As a result, as a result, clever people in their droves are leaving jobs very bravely or coming out of colleges with bright ideas that will change the world. Now, of course, there's lots of failures, and we live in a world where people like to sneer at failures, and they, they, they do, businesses do go down, but plenty of them grow and thrive and get bought and make everyone very, very well off, the shareholders well off, and the entrepreneurs, the founders, and every day you see hundreds of hundreds of activity, hundreds of uh, companies going through this activity. But what we have in UK, which is not necessarily unique, but a very, very strong system, is where angel investors, that's individuals, yes. get, a tax, get a tax break for investing in these early stage technology companies. And I won't go into the details, but basically it's EIS or SEIS. And you either get 30% of your, the, the money you put back from the revenue, or 50%, depending on how young the business is. So what you've got there is an activity where you see the old days and the old days where banks or corporations would back these things, but not very often. Now we've got a, an environment, you know, not unlike Dragon's Den, I suppose, which that is sort of a pantomime version of what I do. Yes. Where this goes on, you know, you'll find four guys in a pub in Guildford tonight sitting around there, they've made a lot of money that in their life and they want to try and invest in these early stage projects. And they, and they pick them almost like you're picking a, a horse at Kempton, Kempton Park, but they go through due diligence on these uh, projects and they will say, well, I'm going to put, I don't know, 50,000 pounds into that business. 
the government gives them some money back uh, as a tax break. But ultimately, the business could completely fail. So it's entirely a pump. There's no, it's a complete uh, guessing game as to which of these deals will, will do well. And this is where I come in. Yes. Every, every day, entrepreneurs reach out to me and say, well, I don't really know how to do this. I don't really know what I've got to do to, to find these investors, not just also, but also get myself attractive for these investors. Yes. So I will work through a mentoring with them and I will assist them with their investor-facing documentation. Yes. I, will, I will go meet them. Most of these people are pretty clever. Most of these people have got big egos. <laughs> You've well, got you to. Expect that. Yeah, You've got to. And I, I, I must say I'm attracted, I'm attracted to because both parties here, the investors and the entrepreneurs themselves, I consider to be incredibly brave people because ultimately they're going out there and they're creating jobs and, and making a, a gig economy, a more exciting economy, which is really replacing the bricks and mortar sort of high street world we, we used to live in. Yes. That's got, that, in my opinion, is gone. There's a whole new digital world out there. And of course, it's got problems attached to it. But ultimately, I do believe on balance, it's a better, it's a better world for, for most people. So coming back to the original question, there's two sides to this platform. There's the entrepreneurs who seek me out and in turn, the investors who seek me out because they want to have good deal origination. They want to see good projects. And Yes, I've missed out a few things here. So you do get corporations investing. You do get what's called venture capitalists, VCs, VCTs. Yes. These are the expressions that people use. But they tend to be, they don't do that many deals. They tend to be extremely prescriptive as to what they invest in. Yeah. And for that reason, if you've come up with a clever idea in your front, in your front room or a university or some technology or you've written some code, some software or something, more often than not, your first port of call would be to go to your friends and family and raise some money there. Yes. Then there's what's called the equity gap. The equity gap, once you know, you've got a 25K out of your auntie and your uncle and your next door neighbor and your brother and put your savings in yourself or 50K or something like that, then you need to build up and commercialize your business. Yes. And until you commercialize, have a certain amount of revenues, more often than not, the professional, the venture capitalists, will not look at you. You're too early. You're too unproven. Yeah. Now, with some exceptions, if you come up with some incredible medical technology, which I don't know, might be a cure for some terrible disease or something, or if you come up with some software which is demonstrably different, then people then sometimes you will get the institutions investing. But most of the people who take this risk on are angel investors or groups of angels. And so you've probably heard of crowdfunding as well. Yeah. So the key part for me, my, my, my niche, and this is coming onto it, is that I've got a Rolodex of angel investors, individuals or groups of individuals who have appetite for this, this, this dangerous early stage. Yes. And, and that really is my USP. Yeah, yeah. How did you get into this, Martin? I mean, obviously, I know that uh, we talked a little bit about your, your history, that you've been investment banking and also a tech entrepreneur. Did you just fall into this or did you spot a particular niche in the market for these early stage tech entrepreneurs that other people weren't filling? Well, I will tell you the story. And I think it's quite a funny story. Uh -huh. 
I always liked one particular rock band, the great Roxy Music. Oh, but wow. anyway, wow. <laughs> okay. people, some of your listeners of a certain age will know them and uh, yeah. the godlike Brian Ferry and everything. Sure. Anyway, but I found I was writing literally letters to people around the world, communicating, you know, are you going to this concert or whatever? Suddenly the internet came along and we had a little discussion group of about 20 or 30 nerds who okay. were interested in it, online discussion group. And suddenly it became 200 and suddenly it became 500. And this was around about 1996 when very few people had personal computers, just starting to become a thing. And I was an investment banker at that time. And I thought, my God, there, there is a power here beyond, beyond my imagination. And of course, you know, the 0.001% Steve Jobs of the world, yes. they were already in, they were way ahead of me. But actually, if you walk down any high street in in UK, people were not thinking a personal computer would would change people's lives to the incredible extent it has. Obviously, so I got into it that way, and I it was it served a purpose for me. And then I got to meet a guy there, actually a senior guy at KPMG, who who saw this. He was a fan of the band as well, yes. and we would go for lo long lunches discussing the power of this thing and what can we do. And he said, "Well, I'm going to." set up a dot com myself that's what they're called in those days yeah and um and uh, i went out and raised money i would knock on bank stores with my friends who were trying to do these things and say you want to you want to get into this space right and there, and there was you know it was a gold rush uh, because suddenly investment banks saw this you know they thought oh, i've got to be part of this and i don't know which one to back because there's no it's a whole new industry yes so that, that's when you had you know the last minute dot coms and you had uh, had some terrible charlatans getting involved, but you also had some good things coming out of it. I remember, you know, meeting the people from Shazam when it first started. And, oh yeah, you know, I it, was, <laughs> it was two people in a room, you know. And so there's plenty of stories like that, heroes of that age, and um, as ever, complete fakes. But round about that time, I got headhunted by Compact Computer to run their ventures. So suddenly, I was you know, sort of poacher turned gamekeeper, and as much yeah. as I suddenly was on the other side of the fence, doling out the cash. Yeah. And uh, having to sift through thousands of business plans each day and trying to make sure I didn't miss the Beatles, as it were. So it was a lot of fun. I did all sorts of things around that time. So that's how I got into it. I, I did a number of different things there. I had a, a mobile sat-nav business, which is a technology gadget business. And all these things spun out of Compaq. And they were tremendous fun, but made a lot of money, lost a lot of money. I realized the pitfalls of being an entrepreneur. Right. Uh, and the highs and the lows being entrepreneur, yeah. but also it helped me understand and give pointers later on in the day when I became this, the person I am now, which is solely serving this niche. Not many people do it. A lot of people do the later stage sort of investments. It's a lot easier to find, ironically, five million or 10 million pounds yes. than it is to find 300,000. I think we find that in property circles as well. Yeah. It's not really the sweet spot, is it? It's multiples of hundreds of thousands. Well, I think when you come into the millions, you know, there's, there's proof of concept, proof yeah. of concept through, you know, significant sales. And you can point to it and say, well, look, there's clearly a market for this product, this service, this piece of tech or whatever it is. The risk is taken out of it. But of course, the, the buzz for the angel investor is the when you're early stage, you can suddenly you really can pick something unbelievably exciting and uh, which goes on to be you know huge and i've got two or three things of that in my portfolio at the moment i'm just looking at them thinking 
this is in every sense going to be a, a, a game changer. You know, you could be wrong, but at the time, you know, you can say this to your investors. You can say, you know, because I see so many deals, every now and then you do see something which stands out and you think this is really going to, to change. But you can be wrong. You can be wrong. I mean, obviously, you look at the business plans when it comes to tech investing, but how important are the people behind the business plans? I think when a plan comes in, my first thought is, does this make sense? Is this, is this a solution solving a real problem? Yes. I, get it, I get a lot of very interesting propositions. You know, I get a lot of things saying, here's an app, for example, where you can order your coffee so you don't have to queue yeah. uh, when you go to your coffee shop. And I'm thinking, is that really a problem? Is there, is there really a huge amount of money in that? Yeah. And I've seen brilliant, brilliant people come to me with trying to solve this sort of problem. And deep down, I'm thinking, well, it doesn't matter how clever you are as an entrepreneur. I'm not sure that's the one. Really, it'd be better if you were, <laughs> I could take you as a CEO, but you into a different project, which had a weaker CEO. Yeah. But yes, uh, certainly if, I, if it passes my smell test, yeah. the first thing I do is I say to people, look, come into my office, let's have a chat. Yeah. And of course, there are two things that are happening. First of all, I've got to like them. I only work with people I like. As yeah. I say, most entrepreneurs I like. There's good arrogance and there's bad arrogance, and most of them are good arrogant, and they will listen to, you know, they will listen to uh, ideas. Typically, <laughs> the one thing they never like to do is change the name of the business. They always get very attached to their name. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, you do get investors who go, I had one last year who turned down some money. As soon as someone said, oh, you know, I want to invest this amount of money into you, he came to me and said, oh, I must have got the price wrong. I must have done something. Why is he so keen to invest? This must really? be wrong. I'm like, are you crazy? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that uh, with the Groucho Marx thing, you know, I want to be a member of a club, any club that will have me as a member. It's a bit of, <laughs> it's a bit of that thing going on. So, yeah, that, that, that sort of madness comes up. But absolutely, you have to look in the eye of an entrepreneur. And they can be 22 years old. I met the guy who created Love Film, yeah. Graham, Bo Graham Boscher, absolute incredible star. I think they started that in his room when he was a teenager. And then he sold that to Amazon, of course, for in his mid-twenties. Then he started set up Grays, you know, Grays, which is yeah, now yeah, in te yeah. Tesco's and everything. So a multiple, multiple, you know, serial entrepreneur. But what a genius. But if you'd seen him at 19, he looked 50. He looked 12, you know, he looked a child. And if you were, <laughs> just, if you were just going on what a guy looked like or the way he spoke, you'd never back him. It no, had to be no. the idea. So conversely, you can get your... Hollywood CEO who's 33 years old, you know, looks great in a roll neck sweater, all that sort of stuff. And he can be actually have a useless, useless project. So it is, it is both really, Jane, you know, yeah. it's, both, it's both things. But absolutely, when it comes to an, inv an investment, there's no question an investor will want to look in the eye of, of the entrepreneur and feel that this person has integrity, this person is smart. This person is prepared to pivot if he needs yes. to change direction. He's not going to be wedded to a certain style. Yeah. But they are good managers, good people people. They're not going to piss off their software engineers or whatever. So yeah. there's, there's, there's all these things. But no one is exactly perfect. But usually the good CEOs have got quite a lot of those um, characteristics.
Yes. Mm-hmm. And and what about how they would look at the investors? What do you think they are looking for over and above the money in the investors that they work with? Uh, rule number one is they want the money. Every Every entrepreneur comes out with a mantra that they want smart money, they want someone who's intelligent and who's going to believe in the business, maybe bring non-executive director experience to the business, business channels for the product or the service. So all these things are wonderful. And by the way, most rich people, most rich angels have, have got rich by being quite smart. So it doesn't matter if you've made your money as a scaffolder or you've made your money with some nanoscience. You know, the reality is that you've got to be very clever to be successful in business. Yes. So it's, it's true. Most angels, most angels will, will help. The danger is you get sort of everyone's 60 years old and they won't understand, let's say, something that is in the zeitgeist for the millennial. There's nothing worse than, a, a, than an investor saying, well, I wouldn't use this myself. Well, of course you wouldn't. You know, <laughs> you're not really, you're not really <laughs> going home and doing gaming in your front room, are you? you know, so so there's, there's a bit of that going on. There is a disconnect. You know, what I'm saying is, uh, by definition, young, thrusting technology entrepreneurs tend to be somewhere between 20 and 40, and most angel investors tend to be somewhere between 40 and 70. So there's no question if you're asking about you know, gender balance, I see about a third of my CEOs are women, I'd say, and about, and about a fifth of my investors are women. Okay. And you might say from the Today program, that's not good enough, but it's, um, you know, when I came from the city, it was very, very very male and when I worked in the city in the 80s and uh, so things are changing but yeah I think the amount of entrepreneurs I mean maybe more than a third in my current group I'd say it's more like 40 percent are women so yeah and it's very diverse of course Uh, you know it's a it's quite a hip groovy thing to be a young entrepreneur you've only got to walk around walk around old street and uh, it is uh, it is uh, you see a very cool crowd for sure (laughs) Okay, well, Martin, we we had a chat before we started the podcast and we were talking about networking. And I know that you're a very, very prolific networker. And of course, Smart Connection shows up when you're networking. And so I'd love to hear some of your tips, some of your thought to anybody that wants to improve their networking skills or build a more powerful network. I think there's a number of different points in that, you know. I think obviously, you know, you. Some people are shy. Some people are not shy. Some people, you know, can can walk into work a room very easily and get to know people, and naturally do that. And others others have to pump themselves up to do that. Yes. The reality is that, you know, in business, most people are very open about meeting, and very open about expanding networks, yes. especially you've got an offering. So I, I think you know, number one. Be confident, believe in what you're doing and put a smile on your face and you'll find the smiles come back. In terms of my personal, if you look at myself, what I need, I need, I need two things. One is I need deal flow yeah. and access to great opportunities and great entrepreneurs. And on the other side, I need access to investors. I do find for the latter, LinkedIn is an invaluable tool. Yes. It's flawed. It's highly flawed. For some reason, so much of LinkedIn is sort of based around 
job searches and it is, yes. I, I think it's an absolute mistake and of course Microsoft bought it and I think what they should do is create two different platforms one for sort of my economy that I'm dealing with which is huge and and another one for people seeking jobs but anyway it's a bit of a muddle but one way or another if you put the word investor in your headline or something thousands of people flock to you every day for obvious reasons because they're all doing the same thing yes. and when i say when i say to people i do i have invested i have been a corporate investor i've invested myself i put my fees into investment sometimes but mostly what i do is i i find investment for you then there's a big sigh and they say oh crikey at last i've met someone who can really help me and take take away this pain take away the agony of it yeah but i will say my, my networking i'm always networking you know, this is the first thing anyone who's in business you network every day when a friend of mine runs a very famous architect agency and he said to me that everyone was so creative they didn't actually like to pick up the phone <laughs> when the phone rang it could have been a big climb right. he said to me he said it was a real problem trying to get people didn't fun. want to get out they were out of their comfort zone you know because they're creative yeah. why are they doing selling Mm. But I have to say, I'm the opposite. I think every single business that's out there is selling 100%. Yes. Every single person is selling. And being an entrepreneur is no different. I, whenever I lecture about this, and I stand up and talk about this, I say to people in the room that you must remember, if there's five of you, say, in the group, and let's say one of them is your, I don't know, your husband, say, he, even though you might have a day job, he's still selling your business. He's still uh, looking for investment all the, every time he gets on a train, gets on a plane. I'm not saying you solicit the person sitting next to you, but you, in ordinary conversation, these things come up. Yeah. And just to say, well, actually, you know, I've got this little idea that's rather cool. And they'll say, well, it's not for me, but my next door neighbor does invest. My next door neighbor, or my, or my auntie, or my uncle, or someone, someone in your group will have a look at these things. Yeah. And that's the power of networking. Yes. And if you are, you know, it's, it's not easy, I don't know, knocking on a door and being Jehovah's Witness or something, because you're going to get 99% of people saying, you know, go away, but, or selling PPI or something like that over the phone. But if you're actually, if you actually got your own business that you developed, well, then be proud of it and shout at the rooftop a subtle way, but let everyone know you're in a funding round. So that is networking. It's using network and just looking around you and saying to the person who you might have got someone in just to do your, I don't know, your bookkeeping, whilst they're in the room, you say to them what you do and say, by the way, if you know anyone, you know, we'll pay you, we'll pay your commission if you help us get investment. You know, there's always a, there's always a commission to be had for anyone who helps uh, bring the investment in because that's the hard bit. Once you've got the investment in, the business can flourish. But without investment, you know, that is how most businesses fail: cash flow. It's not because it's a bad idea. So uh, the, the answer, to, what I'm trying to say is that it's networking has to be something that's in your blood. It has to be something that's twenty four seven and something you actually like doing. And I also think you made an important point there about if you bring investors, then there'll be something in it for you. And something that I certainly notice a lot when I'm networking is that that is networking with a purpose, because of course want to monetize their relationships and they want to know how they can do that and I see a lot of people who they perhaps put other people together without necessarily 
really understanding that there's always got to be a kind of win-win and where is the win-win? It's, it's quite a British thing really. Some people just of a certain type, age maybe, don't like to talk about money. It's sort of, mm -hmm. sort of beneath them. Yeah. Whereas I just go straight off the bat and said, by the way, if you do bring in your friend, mm. I, I'm prepared to pay you 50% of my commission or whatever, whatever my deal is, yes. whatever I can afford. Yes. And they, they sort of suddenly look at their thing, hang on, that's several thousand pounds. Oh, that's mm. nice, you know, why wouldn't I do that? Makes so it worthwhile. Yeah, but, but some people say, actually, Martin, I'm okay, I don't need that, but I'd just like to help my friend and help you. And that's nice, you know, but you, at least you offered it to them. Absolutely, absolutely. Can, can you talk us through a transaction that you've brokered and uh, maybe a business that you've helped uh, that you feel really proud of? Well, there's one at the moment that we're doing, which is incredible. It's called Solar Water. Okay. I don't think, I think I can talk about this. It's not under NDA or anything. Basically, it's quite straightforward. It uses solar panels to fry water turns seawater into drinking water so you, you know you, you position it obviously it's got to be a very hot country let's say it's an african uh, you, you can supply you can irrigate fields in africa which is currently a desert wow. just by having this sort of dome this came to me as something out of cranfield a couple of years ago yes and we found them a little bit of money a few hundred thousand i think it was unproven really it was really kind of a piece of technology but it seemed such a clever idea and the last few weeks, we've heard that they've got two huge contracts, which are game-changing in the Middle East. Well, what a, uh, it, you know, you could actually see deserts suddenly turned into places that can grow tomatoes and things, you know, and, and drinking water as well. So all these things, it's, it's an amazing thing. Solar Water PLC is the one. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. I mean, you know, when you see something that's clearly helping people, I've been involved in some sub-businesses that have um, created a lot of jobs. That's always nice. You know, you hear of someone that's opening up a large, not so much a factory, but sort of, um, I don't know, it's employing a whole load of people. We've been involved in eight or nine transactions this year, which is pretty good. And it doesn't mean we always fill up the round. It just means that we add bits and pieces to it and allows the entrepreneur to, to complete the round and get enough money for, for him to carry, go, go forward. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that helps you. But that's just one. I mean, uh, we do. Technology is such a big word. You know, on the one hand, you've got just someone, I don't know, selling handbags on an e-commerce site. On the other end, you've got something like this solar water thing, which is getting or a medical technology, which could be saving lives. So technology is many, many things. FinTech and PropTech and AdTech. There's so many different techs. We tend to have in our sort of five projects at any one time, a spread of different things which serves my network of investors so you can't go back to the same angel investor with the same project same type of project yeah you know every month you've got to give him a different you know sort of selection yes so martin at the moment would you say that there's a particular appetite from your investors if you took them a project in a certain sector would you say that there's any particular sector that they're getting like really excited about at the moment yeah there are fads you know i've been through all sorts of fads over the years i mean the current one is artificial intelligence yeah machine learning or blockchain these sort of things i, mean, I see blockchain just as a enabling technology i don't see it as as anything special but of course it well, it is special 
um, because the, the security implications are incredible from yes. blockchain. But I think artificial intelligence, the idea that, you know, you set up a website, I don't know, let's say for a group of villas in, 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 on the Greek island, you know, you just want to market them or something. But if you use artificial intelligence or machine learning, you could get far better. You know, let's say you have a, a chat, chat bot on there that uh, deals with people. But if that chat bot is learning all the time, there's kind of questions that come and how best to answer them to convert into a sale. That's what people mean by machine learning, yes. that you actually use a robot's intelligence, a bot, to create a better commercial opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it isn't this idea that you read this <laughs> you pick up in the broadsheet sometimes that robots are going to come in and take over our lives and things <laughs> and take our job i don't believe it for a minute i think technology creates jobs not not uh, takes them away so yeah i don't go with that so back to your question uh, those are the three sort of hot things at the moment you you do hear uh, one thing that's been around about 10 years which is smart cities which it seems to have you know it's still there but you you know, we, the idea that 10 years ago, that every, every, waste, every waste paper bin would have a, you know, Wi-Fi attached to it or something. You know, this is something that's been around for 10 years. It hasn't really taken off. But then you look at, I don't know, in London at the moment, the um, electronic bike sharing scheme three months ago, you didn't see any. Now, now you just see thousands. It's just come from nowhere. Yeah. And it's, it's taken over. So these things can just suddenly whoop, suddenly come along as, as, a, as a fad. But no, in technology, that's true. In the medical technology and in banking, there is a sense that people have had enough of the government owning data mm-hmm. and that you should have control over data. So why, why, why do you have to go through your doctor to get your medical data? That's just insanity. The idea that you own that. And by the same token, that we have now a thing in banking called open banking, which means you can say to anyone, look at my current account. I, I, will, I will give you permission to look at my current account and you can see that I'm a sensible person with my spending, for example. Yes. Now, of course, you get into areas of GDPR and all that jazz, but ultimately, if you give someone the permission to do that, and as a result, they can see that you're a better bet for, for credit or something like that, that has to be a good thing in my book. Mm-hmm. So these things, these are hot things as well, open banking, open medical records, uh, these sort of things, which uh, I think in five years' time will people just take for granted as much as, you know, using a, using a debit card to ping for your coffee in the morning. Yes, yes, I understand. Right, one last question, Martin, which is really about connection and about, I actually read somewhere that human connection is going to be the new luxury item of the future. So what would you say as a, somebody that's, that's at the forefront of new apps, new tech, what would you say to, to that suggestion? I think in my business, people, an investor does want to meet an eyeball, a human being who is going to be the person defines whether their money is going to be doubled, trebled, or go, or be thrown, or thrown away. And that's the bit that I come into. I offer a bespoke or boutique service, if you like. If you look at the crowdfunding world, Crowdcube, Cedars, all these great platforms that do tremendous business, they are taking away the human element where 
you can just put 100 quid into something or 500 quid into something and without meeting the entrepreneur. And of course, I don't know, something's lost in that process, really, I think. You know, I, I, think, I'm, I'm, I think the two can work concurrently. But the process I'm talking about, which is the human, the human looking at the eyeballs of someone and saying, is this person going to be a sensible CEO? You know, I've got a million stories I could tell you about that, how you think someone's going to be sensible and then an, an investor will pull out because they'll see something, see something about them that just makes them think they're not going to be, you know, good with money, I suppose. Yeah. Being, you know, successful business people are good with money. They are sensible. You know, they don't throw it, they don't throw it on fast cars and, and whatever. You know, they genuinely, genuinely don't. You know, not until they've sold the business anyway. You know, they're, they're, they, they treat every penny as their own. Yes. And that's, that is very much what an investor wants to see. Of and course. that you get through human human contact, I believe. Yes. So I hope, I hope that answers that bit of the question. Uh, for me, I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy the human contact. I enjoy, for me, when I'm successful with an entrepreneur, you better want to go for a drink with them afterwards, you know, and let's celebrate. Because that's part of the fun of it. You know, you've got, you go through tough days where investors turn deals down at the last minute, things like that. When you actually get the money in, you know, celebrate it, for goodness sake. It's such a great, and that's a human thing yes. that, uh, you know, you won't get with robots or just by, by you, know, if you, you know, if you sit at home just trading stocks on the FTSE 250 or whatever, you know, where's, there is no human interaction there. It, it's kind of interesting, but it's like sports betting or something online, but it, it is not, it is not venturing. Yes. And venturing, venturing is a hum, very human business, in my opinion. Yes. Wonderful. Well, listen, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on here, Martin, as a guest. Thank you so much for giving us your time. And I hope that some early stage tech entrepreneurs will have been listening to this and will hopefully get in touch. That'll be nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's Martin at StockmanVentures.com or you find me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm always up for a chat with people. Thanks. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Bye bye for now. Great stuff. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Connector podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not head over to janebaylor.com and order a copy of my free report on building your personal brand. I'd love to connect with you on social media. And finally, don't forget to like and subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss a show. Thanks for listening in and see you soon.